WNCW is member-supported public radio from Western North Carolina featuring an eclectic music mix. You can find out more and listen online at WNCW.org. Support for this public radio podcast comes from Bose. Bose Sound in a portable iPod speaker system. Learn more about the SoundDock portable music system at Bose.com. This is Volume Control, musician and artist interviews from non-commercial WNCW-FM in Spindale, North Carolina. This edition features a conversation with Michelle Moog-Kusa, daughter of Bob Moog, hosted by WNCW's Martin Anderson. You can find out more about WNCW at our website, wncw.org. It's rare when a genuinely new musical instrument comes into being. Uh, Looking back at music history, that just only happens... Oh, once a century or two. Well, such happened in the 20th century with actually a couple of instruments, one being the theremin and then the Moog synthesizer. I'm Martin Anderson. I'm joined in the WNCW studios by Michelle Moog-Kusa and Dave Hamilton. They're with the Bob Moog Foundation. It is a nonprofit out of Asheville. Michelle, you are the daughter of the late uh, Bob Moog. First, let's start off with sort of a primer of the Moog. For starters... Folks uh, might be confused because they they might be thinking it's Moog, but uh, it's, it's, it's a very famous brand, M-O-O-G, and they think it's pronounced the Moog, but it's actually the Moog. And uh, what exactly is the Moog? What exactly did your dad invent? Well, dad invented um, the first analog synthesizer, and that really um, put a tool in musicians' hands to create new sounds and push new sonic boundaries. Yeah, so the first analog synthesizer, and maybe Dave, you can chime in on here. We're talking about analog versus digital. Uh, a lot of synthesizers are uh, thought of as sort of digital recordings. You, we heard about when CDs were invented that, oh, well, it's digital versus analog. Yeah. What exactly is the difference? What makes analog more desirable to some musicians than digital? Uh, analog is the actual representation of the waveform. Waveforms travel in the air, and analog properly represents that waveform that travels in the air. Digital breaks it up into ones and zeros and causes it to step. Um, you had, you had uh, made the analogy of a film. You see each individual scene. Ones and zeros are like seeing the scene. It tricks the mind into seeing a, a smooth motion film. Uh, analog makes the body very much feel and hear at the same time. Okay. So, uh, so Bob Moog invented the first analog synthesizer and... Uh, I guess you could say, uh, do you have any, is that, could you elaborate on that or? Yeah, I would, I would say to be more specific, the first analog modular synthesizer is to okay. be, to be precise. All right. It means you can take your sound and patch it from one area, one module to another, shape it over here, move it over there, and then create your own uh, very unique waveform um, outputs. So let's set the stage for how Bob uh, was able to invent such a thing. What was around at the time? Uh, you had, uh, you had, I guess, various keyboards, uh, instruments, but you had the theremin. Let's set the stage because you've brought Dave. You brought in, in, in a theremin in here, uh, which uh, yesterday we listened to "Good Vibrations," the Beach oh, nice. Boys classic that features the theremin, and uh, it is an instrument invented by Leon Theremin back in. Uh, gosh, I want to say. 1920s. 1920s. Uh, He was a Russian uh, Russian physicist, Mm -hmm. invented this instrument, the theremin, and uh, ended up getting uh, uh, 
kidnapped by the KGB and forced to work for the Russian story. government, etc. And that's just a whole other instru- uh, interesting story there. But uh, he invented the theremin and uh, described the theremin. Describe this instrument we have here in the air studio. It's, it's pretty funky looking. All right. The theremin is basically a wooden box. It has two antennas coming out of each side. One of the antennas um, is for volume and one of the antennas is for pitch. The two antennas put um, electromagnetic field around them and your hand's electrical capacitance breaks that field and it interacts with the proximity. And what that means is however far away from the antenna you are, it can read. And um, it reacts accordingly and when you raise your hand away from the volume antenna, it gets louder. And when you move your hand closer to the pitch antenna, it gets higher in frequency. Um, we can give you a little demonstration of that clean. Yeah, let's give you a demonstration of first the theremin just kind of as it is, and then uh, we'll, uh, we'll uh, give you a demonstration of uh, with the uh, Moog uh, modulator and how it has adapted and uh, changed the sound a little bit. So first the theremin, as invented by Leon Theremin. I'm just going to make it make noise first and bring the tone up. <laughs> Three notes I've made by raising my hand up in the air, away from the volume antenna. So if you raise my hand in rhythmic pulses, it'll create more of a rhythmic tone, and you can kind of play melodies with it. That is the theremin as demonstrated by Dave Hamilton of the Bob Moog Foundation. Uh, he and uh, Michelle Moog Kusa are here in our studios in WNCW. And uh, so uh, so Bob Moog came along and invented uh, an instrument that's sort of uh, uh, a descendant, you could say, of the theremin. And, and what you've got, uh, what you uh, also have here is a, a Moog modulator. Uh, what I have are boxes known as Moogerfogers, and they are modern-day modules that are direct descendants of basically those that modular synthesizer, the big wall of modules that you could patch your sound accordingly. And these give you the ability to patch whatever instrument or source you want into them and give them proper tone shaping in a, mo- in a Moog world, basically. All right, you want to hear a demo? Should we hear a demo sure. there? Michelle, would you like to describe what I'm doing at all? Or? <laughs> so ba- basically what we're going to do is I'll provide that same synth tone, and then I'll add one effect at a time. Here's the same synth tone. I'm going to add one module now called a low-pass filter. I'm going to add a ring modulator. It gives it a little bit of a tremolo effect. And then I'm going to give it a little bit of delay, and that'll make it uh, a little bit more character after each note I play.
That's amazing. Uh, you can see how the theremin uh, was uh, the the quintessential sound and instrument for all those fifties sci fi films. Very much. And, and how Very the much. and how the Moog has been able to kind of accentuate that and uh, take it into a, a whole new dimension, if you will. Uh, let's let's. Uh, get into some of the music that has featured the Moog beginning with the 60s the very first uh, demonstration of the Moog in popular music okay. it is uh, the Monkees 1967 and from there it was just sort of an explosion of uh, all these bands uh, that were that were able to start recording with this new uh, instrument that just kind of changed the face of late 20th century music We're talking about the Moog synthesizer here on WNCW. I'm joined by Michelle Mokosa and Dave Hamilton with the Bob Moog Foundation, and we're talking about uh, the origins, uh, Michelle, of your dad uh, getting into the Moog, how he invented it, and uh, he, we had a demonstration of the theremin, the predecessor. And so, so your dad was making and, and playing theremins uh, for early in his career. Yeah, dad and my my grandfather, um, his father liked doing electronic hobbyist projects together. And they started making theremins when Dad was only 14. And uh, when Dad was 20 in 1954, he wrote his first article for Radio and Audio Magazine on how to build your own theremin. And um, as a result, there was such a demand for theremin kits that he went into business when he was 20 years old selling theremin kits. Um, That's how our AMOG Incorporated started. And it's actually um, helped him a great deal put himself through school and um, so the theremin has always kind of been his, his base and his love musically. And it, it was through the theremin that he met um, experimental jazz composer Herb Deutsch, um, who approached him at a music educators conference. And um, they began talking about a way to make new electronic sounds that, that Herb was looking for. And Herb and my dad kind of collaborated, science, scientist to musician. And the result was the first Moog modular synthesizer in, um, invented in 1964. And the, the circuitry in the Moog modular um, comes, actually, is based in the circuitry of the theremin. Okay. The, the historian in me and the, and the layperson and the non-musician, want, all I want to do in life is to just go back in time to these pivotal days in history where this happened. And, and how did it come to be that, that your dad bought... Bob Moog was able to make this leap of going from the theremin to using these knobs. Didn't he use like a, originally like a, a light switch or something or a door knob yeah, or something like yeah. that as one of the original knobs? To How did that leap happen to go from the theremin, which in itself was a huge evolutionary leap, to creating the first Moog modulator? Just amazing. It is. And I, and I think part of it, um, I don't know the answer completely because I wasn't around, um, but is 
it was through dad listening to musicians like Herb Deutsch who kind of guided him on musicians' needs. Okay. And and, uh, and then the musicians started to come, <laughs> like cats being drawn to fish, I guess you could say. Because <laughs> all of a sudden you had, uh, well, the monkeys who we just heard, and uh, Ray Manzarek and the Doors taking an interest, and uh, all these uh, late 60s, that's the Grateful Dead have recorded with the Moog back in the late 60s, uh, the Beatles. How did these folks hear about the Moog, and uh, was Bob Moog interacting with them, bringing it to Abbey Road and all this? Or Well, um, I think... The way a lot of people actually heard about the Moog um, after the Monkees would have been um, through Switched on Bach, which was a groundbreaking and uh, pivotal work that bought um, electronic music to the masses. And I know, for example, that Keith Emerson, who also pioneered the use of the Moog, um, first heard his exposure to electronic music through Switched on Bach, as did many, many other musicians, and it was at that point that um, there were a lot of people and very famous bands uh, drawn to, to the Moog modulars, and a lot of them did come through my dad's studio and uh, just play around with this new technology um, back in the 60s. Talk a little bit, of uh, Michelle and Dave, about uh, the Bob Moog Foundation. Uh, first set in the stage for Bob in Asheville. He moved down to Asheville back, uh, when was it? It was 1978. 1978, yeah. and uh, and raised you all down here, and uh, and fell in love with Asheville. From what I hear, he, uh, in addition to being just so in love with the Moog and uh, creating these instruments and becoming sort of the mad scientist that he was, complete with the wild silver hair and all that, uh, he, uh, in addition to his his huge passion for that, he uh, he developed a love for the Asheville area, the Blue Ridge Mountains, and for organic gardening. Is that right? Yeah, he did. And I, I think you make an interesting point because uh, I think Dad really needed that balance in his work. He was constantly pushing the, the sonic boundaries and uh, working at the edges of technology. But to, to kind of um, ground him, so to speak, he, he also um, loved being amongst anything that was uh, nature. And they, my parents bought a, a track of land, almost 90 acres down here, um, in a cove. And uh, Dad just absolutely loved it out there and did a ton of hiking. We heated our, our house um, with wood. He did all the, the splitting of the wood, and we had a huge garden. He was an avid gardener and loved it. He loved getting his hands in the dirt. And I remember actually in the movie him saying, you know, there's, there's a similarity between engineering and gardening. Not sure what it is, but it's there. So, yeah, he he really did love this area. And what kind of music did he listen to? Did he enjoy listening to apart from his work, or could he separate his work from music? Um, well, you know, I have to say that around the house, he didn't listen to that much music. And once again, I think there's a balance there because he was listening to sound in his his daily work all the time. But um, when he listened to music, uh, you know, he would say he just wanted to listen to good music. He did really embrace music of all kinds. Great. So uh, he passed away a couple of years ago, and the Bob Moog Foundation was begun, of which uh, uh, you're a part, I guess you're a founding... I'm the executive director. Executive director. And uh, what is the purpose, the mission, the reason of being for the Bob Moog Foundation? Um, well, I'll tell you the impetus. It was not only um, Dad's legacy, his technical um, legacy, but it was also his legacy of human kindness, and um, the inspiration that he um, connected with so many different people throughout his career. Uh, when he passed away, we, we uh, or 
when he was sick and then passed away, we had a website set up, and over 250,000 people have logged on to that site so far, and 4,000 people have signed into the guest book, pouring their hearts out about how either dad personally or through his work have influenced their lives in profound ways. And we really felt that that was a legacy that richly deserved to be carried on. We formed the foundation whose mission is to document, celebrate, and teach innovative thinking in electronic music as a way of supporting and honoring his legacy. Dave Hamilton, Michelle Mokusa, thank you so much for coming in and keeping the legacy of Michelle, your father, Bob Moog, alive. Thank you so much for having us. It's been great to be here. Yeah, thank you, Mark. I'm gonna stay on my life.